Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. The name Scotty Cameron is synonymous with putters and putting. Scotty's goal is to make the finest putters for the best players in the world. I think mission accomplished. It's a pleasure to welcome Scotty Cameron back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, my friend? I am great. I am great. How about you, John? You know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Thank you for asking. Does anyone in your world call you Scott? Mm, no. No. Um, it used to be Scott. Then uh, friends and, and schoolmates would call me Scotty. My legal name is Don. Don? And Scotty became a nickname after my grandfather, so that kind of stuck. Oh, okay. All right. I can't see anybody standing on a putting green saying, let me, let me try your Scott. Let me, give me your Scott. Let me try your Scott. <laughs> no, no. Actually, in the early days, John, uh, when I would do a handmade putter where I take the block of steel from scratch and mill that by hand instead of a computerized controlled machine, um, I would do it by hand. Those would be called a Scott Cameron. Hmm. And a Scotty Cameron was after, um, got pretty good at computerized control. So um, would be a Scotty Cameron. So the early ones from, say, 90 to 94 would have been a Scott Cameron, and that would be done by hand versus a computer controlled. Okay. Speaking of the early 90s, I don't know that I've ever heard this story. I can't believe I've never heard this story. Surrounding your growth and Bernhard Langer and the 93 Masters, how and why was that so important in your career? John, I uh, was designing for uh, quite a few different companies and manufacturing putters um, for Ray Cook, for Maxfly, for Roger Cleveland, Cleveland Classics. Or other companies, and everybody wanted to have a putter in the you know seventy to seventy-five dollar range. At that time, the most popular would have been a Ping Brilliant Copper at seventy-nine ninety-five. And to do it the way to do it right to mill it from the block of steel, um, it just takes money. And doing it in the U.S., it takes more money. Um, I set out on the journey to start my own little company and not trying to cut corners and trying to have a mill product in a cast putter price range. So I set out on my own, and I found homes for these people that I was doing design work and manufacturing for, and said, I'm going to do Scott Cameron International. And we set on a journey. My wife quit her job. We got a small warehouse, and uh, we had three employees, and we just set out to make the world's finest and um, couldn't give them away in the U.S. I went to Japan and worked with Tommy Nakajima and other Japanese players. Japanese people loved the craftsmanship and the story. And uh, so it started in the U.S. They had success. And at that time, I came to the U.S. and went out on tour and shared that story and success with players. Um, the Masters, when Bernhard Langer, that was kind of our entry into the U.S. And that kind of put our name the Scotty Cameron name, because when we were doing it for other companies, Cleveland and Max Y and Ray Cook, they used their names, not a Scotty Cameron. When we found homes and started our own, uh, so Bernhard was a first major with a Scotty Cameron product called the Classic One, and that was uh, well seen. It was a great win, 
and it was the starting point for Scott Cameron International to create what we have today. Today, these days, Scotty, how many how many putters do not not individual putters, but how many designs are there? How many putters do you create a year? You know, crazy because in our studio here, for example, last week I had in for two days um, Danielle Kang. Mm-hmm. I created nine putters for her, so I started two days prior. I saw her at the Florida trade show. She wanted to come in. She was um, had all these questions, and she is wonderful to work with, but I created nine original putters for her. So if you include all the necks and all the grinds and all the shapes and all the milling, I, it's countless designs because a lot of them are experimental and never make them to the marketplace. They're just thoughts for players, for them to see what they have in their brain. A lot of times, I know they're not going to like it, but sometimes we have to do it to get it out of their their brain and move forward to say, yep, you're right, this isn't going to work. I, I see what you mean by that neck or that offset or that grind or that shape or um, you got to get it out of their mind and move forward. And we did that. And she texted me over the weekend and said she had eight birdies on her first 18 holes. She had eight birdies uh, that we are totally on track with her her mindset. (laughs) We're talking with Scotty Cameron here on the uh, Augusta Golf Show. Uh, Other than Danielle's nine putters, tell me what's new for 2023. You know, we... uh, the line we do of uh, special select, which now has gone to from studio select, special select, now to super select, and the design gets re refined over the years. And you know, this line uh, is starts with a Newport and a Newport Two, which is a very classic heel and toe shape. And through the years, we've milled it. We put in heel and toe weights. We put in now tungsten heel and toe weights. And I didn't want to re design the world. The last thing I want to do is give a Newport to a uh, Jordan Spieth and him look at me like, you've totally screwed up the original design. You've taken it too far. You've messed it up. The deal was, it's really good last year. How do we do it better? The goal was to remove 10 grams out of the head in places we don't need it, like the neck and the back pocket. But when we remove weight from there, we don't want it to sound hollow or funny. So it's removing the weight and putting it into the areas of heel and toe and back of heel and toe to make it better, perform better, more uh, MOI for off-center hits. So it's taken a classic like a 911 Porsche, and they refine it every single year to what it is today, and it's really good. But I wouldn't want to screw it up and make it too far-fetched where players say, ah, you messed this thing up. So... Um, it is now the Super Select. We just introduced two weeks ago at the Florida Trade Show, and it's a huge success. I'm a Newport 2 guy, so if I came to the studio for a fitting, or anybody comes to the studio for a fitting, would there be a conversation about other putters? Is there normally a conversation about other putters, or do you work to fit me with my Newport? Not at all. We, For example, a session we had quite a few years ago, uh, with Justin Thomas. He's a Newport 2 guy, um, but the sight line in the back, he, having a tough time lining that up and wanted something wider. And he talked about mallets, but the issue with the mallets that he thought everything had to be face balanced. 
where I said, we can get a toe hang or a uh, performance of a Newport 2, but then check off the list of the way it sets on the ground, the way it looks, the plumbing neck. We can create performance in a mallet like we do a blade that is more forgiving, that the sight line is better, that it does sole better. Um, and again, with him, checking off the list of what do you want to see and putting our thinking caps on. So we went across the way to my tour department. We welded on a plumbing neck onto this. We created a sight line. We got back in there, and we saw the things that he was struggling with. He definitely, with the X5 Phantom, at that time it was a Phantom 5.5. We were messing around with the neck, and we could see that he aligned it better. It sat better. Um, all the things he struggled with with Newport 2 came alive with something bigger, more heel-and-toe-weighted. Huh. Um, how the whole head cover thing, how the whole head cover craze start? Back to Bernhard Longer. Um, <laughs> when I would make a putter from scratch by hand, I would, uh, I mean, put my heart and soul into this putter. And at the time, there really um, wasn't putter covers. It wasn't cool. But I spent so much time, and I wouldn't want it to get dinged as I was traveling with it. So created a head cover with AM&E, which is still in business and still makes our head covers today. They, uh, we worked together to have a Velcro and an easy entry. because Head covers just really were not good and made of plastic. And so I would want to cover up what I just finished when I took it to tour. And Bernhard Langer uh, had a Wilson staff bag. He, I just thought it'd be cool to match the red um, from Wilson's staff, put that head cover on. And a friend of ours out of Japan, an account called Minibox, Mr. Matsumoto, ganged up all the colors we did in that time frame of 92, 93. We did yellow, forest green, red. So I'd be prepared forest green for McGregor and blue for Mizuno. So when a guy took a putter or was using it, I put a color to match their bag just because it matched. Right thing to do. Mr. Matsumoto uh, ganged up all the colors of about seven or eight head covers and had me sign them. I said, why? Because I would like to sell these as a set. That's a great story of why you did that. So he put them uh, and sold them to a customer and made head covers collectible. And they were very simple, and I have a few of those still on my wall to remind me how simple that was. I think we've taken head covers to a whole different level. <laughs> I'll say. Dude, you got to shake your head at everything that's gone on with those head covers. You know, not only that, John, of putter covers, but then we started doing uh, driver covers, fairway covers, and matching things and different themes of head covers. And I honestly think from that charge of Mr. Matsumoto, bringing them to his collector clientele creating a demand of head covers and I'm, I'm going back here you know 30 years ago when this started and now the themes and we now have websites where our website we sell head covers and it has taken on a life like no other here i'll let you i always ask you this question when you're on the show if if i look in your bag right now what's the putter that's in your bag gotcha um, you know, I love the classics. For example, a flange blade without a pocket. And I put a pocket in the bottom with a bullet bottom with kind of this hack slice in the bottom where it is heel and toe weighted, but from the top, it looks like a blade. And I call it a pintail. 
it looks like a pintail surfboard um, in carbon steel that I can hand blue it myself here at my tour department. If we're to bring that to market today, John, we might sell six putters. <laughs> I do it for my two galleries, one in Hamamatsu, Japan, and one here in Encinitas. And we have collectors and golfers come from around the world to find unique items of stuff that sets their their fancy on fire, where they see something go, oh my gosh, I remember this when it's made heel and toe. It's really not heel and toe, but it is heel so we've made classics better, but that type of a putter in today's world would not sell, but that unique buyer and collector and player are looking for cool, unique items. And that's what the galleries are for, not to compete with accounts to sell production, uh, Scotty Cameron titles putters, but to find things of what they fall in love with. And I do believe when you find something you love, absolutely love, you putt better because your confidence level goes up. I believe you have a relationship with a putter and you know what it's going to do at those certain times when you're under the gun to beat your buddy for 20 bucks or whatever it is. Putters have feelings. I mean, they have character and you have a bond with a putter and you've seen some of the greats of the past have these putters that they don't get rid of. They, they keep on coming back to because they have a relationship with a putter. I think to find that special item and putter is magical. Scotty, I can't thank you enough for uh, giving me this time. It, you're always gracious when I call. Thank you for doing this. I hope I get to see you soon. Okay, John. Thank you very much for having me, and we'll talk soon.